unsolved crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. <laughs> hey, welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 97, I'm Abby. I'm Kate, and we'll be your ghostesses as it gets nice and hot in time for spring. What are you talking about today, Kate? This week I'll be talking about the Bennington Triangle, a patch of land with unexplainable happenings. Ooh, I'm talking about the mysterious Bangor Fort in India. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Probably I wrote this not. script a little while ago. Yep. But first of all, I have some announcements to make. <gasps> first of all, I want to say sorry and thank you to Nathan from Patreon, because I didn't give him a shout out in our last episode. You're a monster. I know. I wrote down everyone's names, and I think where I was scrolling, I must have just scrolled too far, because I checked the document and I'd written it down. But I think I just scrolled over it, and I'm so sorry. We really love you and appreciate you, Nathan. Did he message you? Yeah. I'm so no! sorry. <laughs> I really didn't oh, mean to. Nathan, you're our favourite. Don't say that. <laughs> we love you all equally. Also, we were sent a piece of dolphin info from a listener, because if you remember, um, in the last episode, we talked about how do you transport dolphins? Well, this person said that, yes, if you put a dolphin into the wrong water, it would die, probably. Well, Yeah. And also, because we said, can you marinate it? No, we didn't. We <laughs> didn't say that. You said, roll it in salt and put it in some normal water. I said it probably wouldn't work, but maybe. Also, they sent us some info about these beluga whales that had their own private plane and they were transported in custom-made slings that kept them calm and comfortable for their journey. So Did that's how water? you transport a big fish animal. Well, I would presume they were in water, yeah. In a sling. That confused me even more. That's added another layer of confusion to this whole transporting water mammal story. Why? What, you think the plane is just full of water? <laughs> no! <laughs> this is going to be well, a saga. Well, now I do. Every episode we're going to talk about how you transport a different fish. Will you put it in... <laughs> The plane. We'll just fill the plane with water. <laughs> it's a That's the most jet. stupid thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and they're just floating around. Like the pilot is wearing like a scuba mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just floating about. No, you fool. I mean, I know that it's in a tank, obviously, because it needs water to live. But then, what? It's just like held in a sling. Yeah, like a hammock, but in Probably water. Probably to stop it like accidentally hitting the sides and to keep it the right temperature. But does it not have to swim? No. I don't know about all Only of isn't it just sharks that have to swim? Sharks don't have to swim, I don't think. Don't they have to keep moving, otherwise they drown? Oh, yeah. Because of the way their gills are. I don't... Every I don't day we expose ourselves about how we don't understand fish. I don't think all sharks have to. Because you get the ones that lay on the floor. Nurse sharks? We'll never get to the bottom of this. Nurse sharks lay on the floor, right? So do lemon sharks. Yeah, yeah. Or am I confused? No, I think lemon sharks do. I was going to say that as well, but I know nurse sharks do. Why don't we know this? Why don't you know this? Sharks are your favourite animal. Yeah, they're one of my favourite animals. Will my you other favourite me... animals are... Wait, wait. Antibus. will you tell me the news? <laughs> I haven't got to that yet. I have another announcement. Oh, God. So, I'm sorry. Do you want the news first or the announcement first? <laughs> Give me the announcement. So, episode 100's coming up. Woo! As you might... Well, this wasn't supposed to be this long. I wasn't expecting to have more conversations about dolphin transportation. 
as you might know from previous episodes or Instagram or whatever, we're planning a sleepover episode for episode 100. So we're basically just going to be super chill, casual, doing a bit of a a fun time. Yeah, because we're normally so regimented. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Very strict facts. information. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to send in any Q&A questions, would you rather dares and stuff, you can get involved. Head over to mythsmagicandmeta.com forward slash 100 or just go to the website, click the button that says 100 and you can submit them. They're all anonymous. So have a good time. Well, please be kind to us. Don't be kind. And now the news. Tell Abby to put her foot in lava. From dare you to put your foot in some... <laughs> dare you to tell me how to transport a dolphin correctly. Dare you to give me one historical fact that's accurate. Ooh! That's your thing. I know facts. So from the Mirror in news this week, a man named Nick Pope, who was a former government advisor on alien issues, has suggested that seagulls could be alien spies. Which is hilarious because I put a photo on my Instagram today of a seagull in a hat that I put on him. Nick urged people not to trust seagulls. Sorry, she didn't actually put a hat on a seagull. It was one of the stickers. It was a sticker on the Instagram stories. Yeah. Because they could be sent by aliens for surveillance to send information back to the alien mothership. He said, obviously I'm paraphrasing, that any civilization that is capable of getting here from other solar systems or star systems undoubtedly has technology that would seem like magic to us and they might be able to implant a living creature with a tiny camera and control its thoughts to position it anywhere. Or they could be drones that look like seagulls. Does Nick still work for the government? Not anymore, no. Huh. Well, I'm not going to say anything, but a man that thinks that seagulls were sent from outer space also lost his job. Hey, we don't know he lost his job. (laughs) Okay. Also, cannot be a representative of a government anymore. But he was, which means he's very knowledgeable. I don't know. So next time you see a seagull, which is literally every day for us because we live near the sea, be wary of them. Be aware. They could be spying on you. Go kick a seagull. Don't kick it. (laughs) Place it gently somewhere else. Pick it up like a loaf of bread and remove it from your eyeline. If maybe that's why we keep getting one on our deck. Because he's watching us. He is. He's like, they're onto us. Yeah. He's not nesting. God, no. He's like, these girls know. Yeah. Anyway. So I'm talking about the Bennington Triangle. My sources are Wikipedia, legendsofamerica.com, everythingunexplained.com, allthatsinteresting.com, vermonta.com, historicmysteries.com, obscurevermont.com. So as we all know, I have a thing for covering all of the weird triangles on Earth. So far, I've covered the Bermuda Triangle and the Alaskan Triangle, so you should check those out. How as many well. triangles? Well, I found out another triangle. Oh my Bear god! Bear with. This triangle is in the state of Vermont, which bond- borders New Hampshire, New York, Massachusetts, and Quebec. Vermont is the second least populated state, second only to Wyoming. However, the state capital of Montpellier is the least populated state capital throughout all of the U.S. Pretty creepy territory i would say this spooky triangle is based around the glastonbury mountain not to be confused with glastonbury which is here Mm -hmm. in the uk the phrase the bennington triangle wasn't coined until 1992 when joseph citro said the area shares characteristics with the bridgewater triangle (gasps) in a public radio broadcast and yes i will add this extra triangle is the world just made out of triangles? On my list to cover in the future. It will be by the time I'm done. As well as the mountain, the triangle covers Bennington, 
Woodford, Shaftesbury and Somerset. All together, these places have a population of only 19,500. Oh, interesting. Somerset has six people living there. What? Yeah. Let's start on the weird stuff happening. Six people? Mm-hmm. Why? Because of the weird stuff? Is that just one family? Yeah. Or do they all live separately? No, in... no. There's a, there's a whole place that just has one family there. That's baffling. First, something I know you'll love is the Bennington Monster. Ooh. This is a Bigfoot-esque creature. Oh, yeah. That has, that has sightings going back to the early 1800s. This early sighting was reported by a stagecoach load of passengers who were forced to stop because the driver had seen huge footprints in the mud, described as too big to be human. After they'd stopped, a large, hairy, black creature who was over six foot tall knocked the stagecoach on its side and then fled into the nearby forest. He's just causing mischief. He's, yeah. He said, I'm going to knock this over and leave. Ha! <laughs> he knows only havoc and chaos. People believe this may be linked to the death of Carl Herrick. He was 37 when he went hunting with his cousin on the 11th of November 1943. They were about 10 miles northeast of Glastonbury, and they were separated during their trip. His cousin, Henry, went back to their camp and waited for Carl, but he didn't come back. After a couple of hours, Henry contacted the authorities, and it began to snow. They looked for three days and didn't find any trace of Carl, until the end of the third day where Henry found Carl laying dead on the ground in the woods, with his loaded rifle around 70 feet away from him. Nearby, Henry noted some huge bear tracks, so people presumed his death was from an animal. However, when the post-mortem was conducted, they found that he had been squeezed to death. Oh my god. As his lungs were punctured by his own ribs. Which isn't common. From an animal attack? Mm. Ooh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Aside from the Bigfoot sightings across the years, there's a lot of superstition surrounding the area that stems from the Abenaki and Mohawk tribes that inhabited the area for long periods of time. The Native Americans apparently refused to go into Glastonbury Mountain itself because of fears that the land was cursed. This led to it being used as essentially a giant burial ground, as nobody living wanted to go there, but they needed somewhere to put their dead. Part of the reason that no one wanted to go there was because of the legend of a stone that will swallow a human being whole if they step onto it. That doesn't sound very nice. No. There's no distinguishing features about the stone, so you're either lucky or you're swallowed. It's my motto. <laughs> this could explain what happened. Put to that on a t-shirt. <laughs> You're either lucky or you swallowed. This could explain what happened to the multiple missing people from the area. The first being Middy Rivers, who was a local hunting guide born and raised in the area. He was 74 years old at the time of his disappearance on the 12th of November 1945, just two years after the, the earlier disappearance of Carl who was squeezed to death. Middy was the leader of a four-person hunting group on this day. Everything was fine throughout the trip. It wasn't until Middy was showing them the way back to camp that he'd gone slightly too far ahead of the group, they couldn't see him anymore, and then he never came back to camp. Obviously, the other four weren't really worried about him because he was a skilled survivalist who knew the mountains like the back of his hand. It wasn't until a while afterwards that they decided something's up here, 
They went and got a search party of over 300 people to look for Middy, but he was never seen again. The only thing relating to Middy that was ever found was a single rifle cartridge found in a stream. The next person to go missing was 18-year-old Paula Weldon, who disappeared on the 1st of December 1946. She'd gone for a hike and had been given directions by Ernest Whitman, who was a local and an employee of the Bennington Banner newspaper. A few others also remembered seeing Paula go go to the trail because she was wearing brightly coloured clothes, and they told her she wasn't dressed warmly enough. She wasn't wearing a warm jacket, and it was only 50 degrees Fahrenheit or 10 degrees Celsius. While on the trail, an elderly couple reported to have seen her, as they were following about 100 yards behind her. But when the trail came to a corner, Paula went round it, and when the couple had reached that point, they couldn't see her anymore. She went to Bennington College, and when she didn't return to campus the next day, they sent out a search party. There was also a $5,000 reward, which equals to around $75,500 nowadays. Wow. The FBI also got involved, but no evidence was ever found. Paula's father was disgusted by the efforts of local law enforcement, as there was no real police force, so police were eventually called from neighbouring states, However, this case is what led to the creation of Vermont State Police. That's good. Yeah. And it was only seven months after Paula's disappearance that they created that. Then 26-year-old Betty Fraser was reported missing on the 5th of May, 1948, by her husband Declan. She'd gone to the local bar but failed to make it home. The barman, Troy Rogers, was a suspect because he'd apparently offered her a lift when the bar was closing for the night. Interesting. However, he had an alibi for later on that night, and when the route was replicated it would have been impossible for him to drive Betty home and then get back for his alibi. Right. The last sighting of Betty was given by a neighbour who saw her headed towards Bennington, Bennington, sorry, as if she were in a trance. Hmm. Betty's body was discovered a month later, 17 miles away on a forest trail in West Dover. Interesting. Next, exactly three years after Paula Weldon disappeared, 68-year-old James Tedford vanished off a bus without a trace. He'd been in St Albans, visiting his family, and had got the bus back to Bennington. Witnesses from the bus say he was definitely on the bus after the penultimate stop. However, he was gone by the time the bus reached Bennington. Oh, that's very weird. His stuff was still on the luggage rack, and an open bus timetable was left on his seat. Oh, that's so spooky. That's the weirdest one, I think, so far, besides the squeeze to death. Not that I'm ranking these, they're all terrible, but I mean, in terms of like how strange it is. Paul Jepson was only eight when he vanished from the Bennington Triangle on the 12th of October, 1950. He was waiting for his mum and his family's pickup truck while she got on with like a quick errand. Yeah. And by the time she got back, he disappeared. He had also been wearing a bright red jacket, the same as Paula Weldon. So he should have been easy to spot if he were nearby, but his mum couldn't find him. Another search party was called, and again, they were unsuccessful. They even operated a double-check system, where after one group had searched somewhere, another group would go in, and then thoroughly double-check. Apparently, when the bloodhounds followed Paul's scent, they lost all trace of him at the exact spot that Paula Weldon was last seen. Oh, wow. To add to the superstition around the mountains, Paul's father revealed that his son had been talking of nothing else but the mountains for days prior to him disappearing. The final reported person to disappear from the Bennington Triangle is Frieda Langer, who is a 53-year-old experienced hiker. 
She'd gone with her family, and on the 28th of October 1950, she'd ventured out with her cousin Herbert Elsner. Relatively early on, Frida had slipped and fallen into a stream, so she'd asked her cousin to wait there while she went back to camp, change clothes, and then she'd come back, because she was still really close by. Herbert waited for Frida for a while, but she didn't return, so he went back to camp. When he got there, he was told that Frida had never come back to change clothes in the first place. They went to the authorities, organised a search party, 300 searchers orchestrated five searches over the next two weeks. Then on May 12th, 1951, her body was found three and a half miles from where the camp had been. The area had been searched before. Interesting. No cause of death was found due to the decomposition. See, this is the thing, is that I feel like if people are hiking and they're in mountains, it makes a lot of sense that you could get lost and go and go missing. Because I'm sure that happens all the time. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that something weird is going on. Yeah. But if they've already checked the area, that is strange. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of other strange things to be found in the Bennington Triangle. First, a lot of people say that when you're on Glastonbury Mountain, you can't hear anything. No birds, no insects, nothing. It's absolutely silent. Plus, there are cairns dotted around the mountain, which are piles of rocks that are like balanced one on top of the other. Mm-hmm. So like they're definitely man-made, but no one knows who's making them. However, it's, it's, it's not even a super popular place to visit. So there aren't that many people on the mountain that could be making them. What? That's so random. There have also been UFO sightings and strange lights in the sky over the last century, including a flying silo-shaped anomaly seen by Don Pratt in 1984. Wow. And that is the Bennington Triangle. That's extremely weird. I wasn't sure how weird it would be. To be yeah. honest, because you've talked about several triangles. I have. But this is pretty weird. Right? That guy on the bus? That's so strange. Yeah. Where did he go? God knows. What the heck? Yeah? I'm well confused. <laughs> there have been like lots of different theories, like, you know, maybe it's like a serial killer or something, but the ages have been so different. The genders have been different. The, you know hair colours, everything. I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, but there would be no MO. No. It's strange as well because they'd have to be familiar with, like, the area, right? Like, the mountains and stuff. And if there aren't... The population isn't very big in the triangle. Yeah. It's kind of strange that this many people are disappearing this close together well, like, in no similar one, circumstances. No one's reported to live on the mountain. And mm. a lot of the disappearances have been on the mountain. And it still wouldn't explain that guy vanishing off the bus. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? And the, the guy who got squeezed to death. Yeah. Like how do you link those with the other ones? They don't, they don't connect at all. Another thing that people tried to explain it was wells. There are wells, apparently, on the mountain um, that have just been kind of covered over, which I guess could explain, like, oh, yeah, a stone will swallow you. Yeah, that, you know yeah, what I mean. That, that is true. Like if it's like a sinkhole or something like that, you you could fall to your death pretty mm-hmm. easily. Um, but again, doesn't explain some of the weird things. Uh, well, UFOs, yeah. I suppose, as well. But it depends whether you believe in that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it all depends on what you believe in, really, because 
you know, it could just be people going missing. But I'm sure some of it is, you know. But again, you can't explain everything with just that one explanation. Yeah. Some other people have said wildcats. Um, however, for that many people to go missing from wildcats and no remains, mm. um, and remains that have been found to not be consistent with animal attacks. Do bears squeeze people to death? No. They have big claws. Yeah, right? Yeah. Huge snake. What, a giant anaconda at with the top of the mountain. Feet. With huge feet. <laughs> please, it's the only please draw this. It's the only explanation. He okay. sounds quite friendly, honestly. Do you want to do the scare scale? Yeah. How scary. Five. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't understand. How dangerous. Five. <laughs> How likely that something weird is going on. You know what? I don't know. I'm going to say four. Just because the, I can't explain it. I don't know. But it's not 100%. I'm not like completely sold on it. But something weird might is likely to be happening, in what, my opinion. What are your ideas? A serial killer. Yep. Um, people going missing on hiking trails. Mm-hmm. Bigfoot creature. Mm-hmm. I suppose aliens. Coincidental disappearances. Wells. Wells. Yeah. That's it? Yep. Yeah, it's it's so weird. It is extremely weird. I was researching it and I was like, oh, I don't have a clue. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how Abby's supposed to give any... No. <laughs> I'm just saying what you suggested to me. Yeah. Well, if you like the podcast and you want to follow us on social media, tell us what you think. You can do that at Myths Magic Pod on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to head over to our Patreon and see us in video form, then you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Myths Magic Murder. On Patreon, you can give as much or as little as you want, and we'll give you a nice little wave. There we go. Um, we also do a coffee and a chat before every single episode, so if you want to know what is going on, uh, then you can. I believe we're starting a cult accidentally. Accidentally. <laughs> So you can get that. You can also get 10% off of our merchandise, which you can view on mythsmagicandmurder.com. As Abby said, be sure to check out mythsmagicandmurder.com forward slash 100 or just click on the 100 button for our 100th anniversary. We haven't been going for 100 years. <laughs> 100 anniversary. <laughs> um, also on the website, we've got a little referral submissions thing. So you can tell us a story, tell us to cover a story. And if you have any haunted happenings, spooky stories or terrifying tales, you can email us over on mythsmagicandmurder at gmail.com. Lovely. So today I'm talking about the Bangar Fort in India. Again, be easy with me on the pronunciations. Wrote this a while ago. I will not. Feel free to yell at me on social media if I mess up. <laughs> Sources are veenworld.com, thehindu.com, wikipedia for dates, timesofindia.com and culturetrip.com. So this fort was built in the Aravali range of hills in the Alva district of Rajasthan. It's at the bottom of the hills on some sloping terrain. You've doomed yourself with this, haven't you? And if you're wondering what makes this place so weird and mysterious, it's the most haunted place in India. Ooh. Apparently. While some people deny the hauntings and just think it's a pretty dangerous place, there's no doubt that it's pretty mysterious. So, the story behind the fort. It was built in 1573 by a man named Bhagwant Das, who was the Kachwaha, ruler of Amber, which from what I can gather online, with like a little bit of a glossary, they are a clan who ruled multiple kingdoms and princely states within India, primarily, and sometimes family within the clan would rule several kingdoms or states at different times at the same time. 
and Amber used to be a princely state which existed under the British Indian Empire. So it was built for his younger son... So like a lord? Kind of. Right. It was built for his younger son, Madho Singh. After this, however, the story is lost and not much else is really known about the building, about its origins or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But there are several stories and legends that kind of bring the spookiness to the story and they're spread amongst the locals and tourists. So these might have started because the building is extremely old and spooky looking, like it's exactly how you'd expect an old haunted building to look. It's desolate and in bad shape on the side of a hill, like what can you... It's got the creepiness down mm. to a T. Yeah, pretty much. And it has a sign out front that was put there by the Archaeological Survey of India that says it's extremely forbidden to visit the fort after sunset. Ooh. Yeah. As soon as it's dark outside, you aren't allowed to enter until sunrise. Like, there's no hours. It doesn't say, like, nine till nine. It just says, don't come in after sunset. Which, you know, is pretty freaky spooky. Says, this place is definitely not haunted, but you might see a ghost. Yeah, it says this isn't haunted or anything, but you shouldn't come in here at night. Just Please, God, safety. stay away. So that's obviously, I think, spreading the rumours further. Mm -hmm. And it is thought that nighttime is when the spirits roam in the building. And you may even be cursed if you don't follow the rules and enter after sunset. Ooh. People who visit often feel anxious, restless, and paranoid, as if someone is watching them. Although it's a very popular tourist destination, it's said that visitors tend not to stay for very long because of the uneasy feelings. If you do decide to explore while the sun is out, you can expect to explore three floors, and you'll find that all of the buildings that are part of the fort and the houses surrounding it have no roofs. The locals tell you that the reason for this is because when a roof is built on one of the buildings, it just collapses as soon as it's constructed. Oh, cool. The only buildings that do have roofs are some tiny ancient temples that are dedicated to different gods. Which is just a bit weird. We don't know why. It's pretty freaking scary, I won't lie. <laughs> so there are two well-known local stories that surround the fort and influence some of the haunted rumours. The first story is that when the fort was being built, Madho Singh, the son, you remember, visited a man named Baba or Bala. There are different sources that say different names, but I'm going to say Baba. And this guy was a sadhu that lived nearby. That means that he's essentially like a holy person or right. a person that lives without like sensual pleasures, kind of like a monk, I suppose. Right. And Mato asked this man for permission to put the fort in the area as Bala lived and meditated nearby. So Bala said that building the fort would be fine on one very important condition. The fort should not be built so high that the shadow from it casts over his home. So if the shadow goes over Bala's house, you're in some that's deep not trouble. Good. Yep. Amado was like, yeah, sure, sounds good. And he just built the fort. But he was too ambitious when he was building it and he completely forgot about the agreement he'd come no. to. So as fate would have it, the shadow did, in fact, cast over Bala's home. And Bala was so angry at this that he cursed the fort, which led it to sit in ruins forever. Also, I just realised that I said, I'll call him Baba, and then called him Bala throughout. I was wondering, but I was Sorry. just like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> the alternative story is that a princess was considered to be the most beautiful woman in the district, and she received many proposals from various men, you know, for marriage. And one <laughs> local tantric priest named... S Sorry, I'm not wearing my glasses. Named Singhia wanted the affection of the princess, but he knew that he stood no chance. Side note, he was also pretty good at black magic. Anyway, oh he saw God. the princess's maid buying perfumed oil for the princess, and he saw an opportunity. He enchanted the oil with an attraction spell, so that she would fall in love with him. However... Somehow, she became suspicious about the oil when she received it, so she threw it away immediately. And by threw it away, I mean she launched it out the window. 
Oh my god, she doesn't do anything by half. And it fell on a boulder, and then the boulder was pulled towards Singia and crushed him to death. And with his dying breath, he cursed the princess, her family, and the entire village around the fort forever. Listen, you can't go cursing people if you're the one starting off with black magic. That is true. It's your own fault you crushed yourself with a boulder. In this instance, in no other instance would I say that. (laughs) This is the only exception. If you start messing around with things you can't control and you get yourself crushed by a boulder, it's just... What some sources say that a boulder just happened to fall on him, and some say that it was pulled towards him because of the attraction spell. I think it's just karma. Oh, fair. Okay. So he cursed everyone in the whole place. And according to this, oh, sorry. And the year after this, the entire population is thought to have perished in a battle. <sighs> you can't go acting like you're the victim. Yes, you got crushed by a boulder once. One time. Get over it. Yeah, grow up. Don't go cursing the whole kingdom. In my humble opinion. Good information with Kate. She says, here... If you start messing around with black magic, I'm not saving you. When you get crushed by a boulder, that's what Don't come crying to me. Don't come crying (laughs) to me when a boulder lands on you. (laughs) Put that on a shirt as well. (laughs) Oh, mate. I'm going to have my own merch business. According to locals, this version of the story is the reason why the fort is haunted and nobody in the village could be reborn. And so everyone has to be stuck in limbo for eternity, which is why it's abandoned and there might be ghosts. To this day, people report seeing ghosts and hearing screaming in and around the fort. It's believed that if you visit the fort after sunset, ignoring the warning signs, you will experience misfortune. It said that three rebels visited the fort at night, intending to stay there overnight until the next morning. What are you laughing at? So it's just because you said misfortune, like in general. Like you go in at like 11pm and you're like, lost my lottery ticket. Lose a tenner on the slots. Oh my god, tragedy. No, that's not what happened. So they visited mm-hmm. and they immediately began experiencing horrors. So one of them fell into a well. Oh my god. Even though he had a light with him. And he was luckily rescued by his friends, and they went to the hospital immediately, because obviously, Guy fell in a well. Thank God. However, oh no! on the way to the hospital, all of them got into a freak road accident, and it killed them all. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So serious misfortune. Oh yeah. We're not playing around with misfortune. No, the worst misfortune of them all. Death. There may be some truth in these stories, but those who do not believe in spooky and mysterious things tend to go with the idea that in the 1700s, a new fort was established and a famine forced the remaining people in the area to find new places to live. So it just became abandoned. That's not a very exciting story, though, is it? That's why I didn't tell that one first. But who knows? What do you think? I think definitely misfortune will strike you. Okay. If you go in. That's, like, too misfortunate unfortunate <laughs> no misfortunate we're not talking about <laughs> miss fortunate even if you don't want to experience the spooks the fort is popular for its old history fascinating temples and structures within the beautiful carvings and sculptures so it's beautiful apparently you know it's worth a look if you're there obviously i'm not sponsored by this temple but if you want to go have a look and you're in india i would like to check it out not after sunset though well yeah you're forbidden you expressly want do, you want to do the scare scale yes how scary is this place Hmm. I don't think it's as scary as it is dangerous. So I'm going to say three and a half scary. But then five dangerous. 
What's the likelihood that something strange going on here? Mm, I think places like forts and hospitals and, you know, like um, the old and like mental asylums and stuff, they've definitely got some bad energy going on. So I'm going to say like 4.25. We can't do too, too far, 0.25 of a ghost. Yes, you can. You can do a quarter of a ghost. That's what I want. One little ghost. Um, I just want an eyeball of a ghost. Floopy doop. What are they called? You know where I draw the ghosts on the scare scale and it's like a wiggly little legs? Tentacle. One wiggly little leg out of five. Four wiggly little legs. Ideas? <laughs> <laughs> One wiggly little leg out of five. Four wiggly little legs out of three. I don't sound like that. You did. Just then. <laughs> Any ideas? Um, I... Well, ghosts. A curse. Famine. Um, You're just pulling out trigger words for spooky things. Ghosts. Curse. Famine. No, it like explains it, doesn't it? It does. I think like tourism as tourism. well. Though. Like that, that big sign... That was put there for sure. You or think? it well, could it be was like put there. Yeah, no, I mean like to be like. <gasps> I thought maybe it was put there if it isn't haunted, just because it's dangerous to go there at night because you can fall in a well. Whether I suppose that's... as well, like there are probably attendees there during the day mm-hmm. to make sure that even if someone is hurt, they can just take you to hospital. Well, whereas no one's going to be there. A lot of the stuff that I found out was from like trip websites. Mm-hmm. People giving reviews, and one of them, um, one of the sources was like. Yeah, you know, the tour guy was telling us about all of the different local stories. So there obviously is some kind of tour going on. Yeah. I'm thinking that even if it isn't haunted and it isn't going to curse you, going in at night is probably just dangerous and there's no one there to help you. So if you go in and you hurt yourself and you fall in a well, you know, that's probably why. It could be like a clever strategy like if you're harping on about how haunted somewhere is then you're not going to get a bunch of teens going and graffiti all over this fort that is true you know what i mean it might like keep like trespassers out Mm. and also on the flip side gain more tourism for that kind of like a win-win yeah i see you um and that's it i think it probably does have like some form of haunting Old places, I don't know. I just, something's going on. What do you think about the roof thing? Um, Maybe they're just not getting anyone good to build a roof. I'll build a roof. Then it will fall down. Well, yeah. You're not helping then, are you? (laughs) Yeah, I think, I don't know. It depends, like, how isolated it is. Because they could have just got the same people in four times to do a roof. And they're just not very good at roofs. So they keep collapsing in, but because they're so isolated, they can't get anyone else to come in and do the roof. It's not, like, incredibly isolated. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, it could just be weird. Fair enough. It could be a weird time. I'm not sure. It could be haunted or cursed. Perhaps the roof is what went over Bala's shack. Ooh. So he's, like, cut it down so the shadow doesn't cast across. Oh, my goodness. Maybe. Maybe. We'll never know. Wow. Let us know what you think on our social media. Give us a rating on iTunes and a five star on Spotify. Give us a bad review and I'll come to your house and I'll curse you for eternity. And don't listen before bed. Listen before bed. <laughs>